0: Well, back in August, we began a journey through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I'm not sure how you think of this journey, but for me, it has been really enriching. I have seen things in the Sermon on the Mount that, quite honestly, I didn't know was there. And uh, it has been really an enriching experience, and I hope it has been for you. And I would encourage you, as we now finish up this journey today, that you continue to read and meditate upon The Sermon on the Mount, Uh, it is such a wonderful, wonderful message given by Jesus, so rich and so full. It gives us so much to live by. Last year, on the evening of June the 21st, a huge portion of the Champlain Tower South near Miami, Florida collapsed, killing some 98 people. To this day, investigators have been trying to determine what caused that catastrophic, disaster. It could have been, and it's been theorized, that uh, neighboring construction may have in some way have weakened the building. It may have been that uh, that 30-year-old building was beginning to deteriorate structurally and cause the collapse, or perhaps there was something wrong with the foundation. Nonetheless, the building collapsed, resulting in multi- multiple deaths. Jesus brings his sermon to a conclusion by using the metaphor of a building collapsing. His metaphor was one that was commonly understood by people who lived in and around Palestine because oftentimes they would do construction for their homes during the dry season. And during that time of year, it would appear that all the ground was hard and firm and great places to build, but a lot of folks built on unstable places instead of rocks. And then in the season when the rains would come, the storms would blow, the foundations would erode, and their homes would collapse. I think even today we understand about the importance of a good foundation. And that without a good foundation, whatever we build construction-wise is at risk. And so this metaphor is one that uh, we can easily wrap our minds around in understanding that if we build on sand, an unstable foundation, when the storms of life come, there's the risk of collapse. But if we build on the rock, then the structures can stand. But we have to ask, What's this metaphor about? What are we building? What is the structure that we are building? Jesus here, of course, is talking about our lives and how we build our lives, whether we build our lives on something that will endure or we'll build our lives on something that when the storms of life come, they will collapse. And when we put that alongside of this notion of the kingdom of heaven, We get this idea that that this solid ground and this kingdom of God are connected together in a special way. Jesus said that on that day, that uh, uh, many would be sent away because they really didn't have it together. They hadn't heard and they hadn't put their minds into and their hearts into what He had said. And so today. We want to be people who build on the solid rock. So let's take a few moments and kind of unwrap what Jesus is saying here as we look at this passage. Jesus said that not everyone who said, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom. Not everybody that calls Jesus Lord is necessarily building on the solid rock. He said that you have to do God's will. Now, this idea of calling Jesus Lord is central to our understanding of our Christian faith. Most of us have grown up with an understanding that in order to become a Christian or to be saved, that confessing Jesus as Lord is central to that. Romans 10:9 gives us this pathway of salvation that we so often hear proclaimed in the evangelical church if you desire if you confess jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved so this idea of confessing jesus is lord is central to our faith. so when jesus says not everyone who calls me lord will enter the kingdom it's kind of a startling statement Now, most of us today, when we think and hear the word Lord, we think that Lord is a divine title. We say, Lord, have mercy upon us. It's our cry to God. We say, the Lord Jesus Christ. We think of Lord as this title of the divine. In Jesus' time, though, the word was used in that way, yes, but it was also broader, You see, Lord, or Kyrios, was the title given to the emperor of Rome who was the supreme ruler, and he was too considered to be divine. Lord was the word that was used for a person who was a master over slaves. If you were a slave, you were owned by one that was called Lord. Lord. Here it appears that Jesus is speaking to something more than just Lord being a title of the divine. Those who are calling him Lord were missing something. Recently, I heard Tony Evans, one of my favorite preachers, talking about uh, what it means to have Jesus as Lord. Tony shared that uh, how the language of Jesus being Lord was that of master and slave. In Jesus' day, slaves were owned by their masters and they were to do their masters' bidding. They were to do what their masters said to do. And then Tony went on to say something that just captured my imagination. He said, many believers today do not want Jesus as Lord, but want Jesus as their personal assistant. Many today don't want Jesus as Lord. They want Jesus as their personal assistant. You know, I think Tony's right. You know, we we, we want Jesus to give us personal advice, bless the plans we design, give us what we need and want, and to make our lives pleasant and bearable. We want Jesus with us as our assistant. But Jesus is not our personal assistant. Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is Lord, He is the one who directs and calls the shots of our lives. This then leads us to a contrast that Jesus made when he talked about this. He said that it's not just saying Lord, but it's living out Jesus' Lordship in our lives. It's about doing God's will. If you want to enter the kingdom, if you want to live the life and your life to stand firm through all the storms of, of this world, then you must do the will of God. Now, if any of us want to experience and to live out the kingdom, doing the will of of God is central. Only when we are doing Jesus' will is that's when His Lordship makes the difference. And in this great sermon that we have been talking about now for several months, we have this great overview of what God's will is in our lives as kingdom people. We've heard it's about being people who are poor in spirit, people who are meek, people who are peacemakers, people who are pure in heart. We've seen that it is about being salt and light in the world around us. We've seen that it is going beyond just the appearance of righteousness and living down to the depths out of the heart of what God wants us to be and what God wants us to do. We found that God's will is about loving our neighbor and loving our enemies. We found that there's ways that we practice the spiritual disciplines that rise up from deep within us that connect us directly to God. We have seen how that We're to regard our resources, how we're to cast off worry, how we're to ask, seek, and knock. We've heard much about what Jesus' will is in the kingdom. And if Jesus is Lord, we seek out His will and we live it out in our lives. The Gospel of Matthew ends with an amazing statement we call the Great Commission. Jesus gave it to His disciples as He was getting ready to depart from this world, and He said, Go and make disciples of all nations. That's our mission statement, by the way, of making disciples. That's why we exist here at Udawah United Methodist Church, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. But Jesus went on in that statement to define what it is to make disciples. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We get back to this doing God's will, doing what God wants us to do, doing what God calls on us to do, teaching them to obey. As disciples, as of Jesus, as people of the kingdom, we are a people who seek to do and to be what it is God's will for us in our lives. You know, we can sing the songs of praise, post faith-laced platitudes online. We can have a fish emblem on our car or on our business sign. We can repeat with confidence our liturgies, acknowledging and glorifying God and Jesus Christ. By the way, all those things are good. I'm not condemning those things. But if we're not doing what Jesus asked us to do, we're not living out of the realities of the kingdom of God. Jesus' words here are strong. Jesus' words are strong. It's about doing and being God's will. After Jesus spoke of doing God's will, he presented a second contrast. He says, he talks about people who would say, Lord, didn't we do all these great things for you? We preach, we cast out demons, we perform miracles. And Jesus said, I'll reply to them, I don't know you. Now, what the three activities that Jesus lists here, that anybody who was listening to that particular message of Jesus would have marvel at people doing such acts of preaching, casting out demons, taking on the very devil himself and performing miracles. They would have thought, man, those are acts that have come directly from God. those are demonstration of God working in that person. Quite a resume. I imagine today if Jesus were speaking to most Christian groups now, particularly those in mainline churches like the United Methodists, he would use a different list. Now, the Pentecostals would still like this about prophesying and casting out demons and performing miracles, but, but we Methodists would probably have a different, different word from Jesus. He probably used this as a list. We know, said, did we not march for justice, feed the hungry, care for the homeless, provide for the needs of the poor, and protect the orphan? Now, again, these are high acts of piety for sure. But Jesus was noticing that in many something was lacking. These are kingdom activities, yes, but alone they are insufficient. Listen again to Jesus' response. He says, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. That's strong language. And you might even say that's harsh language. It's almost surprising that that language comes from Jesus. You hear the word evildoers, uh, what comes to mind? I I personally think of people who do rotten things, you know, evil things like mass murder, people who are abusive, people whose lives are out of control. But hear the word evildoers in the, the, the new international version, new revised standard version is actually from a Greek word which is the negation of the word law. So it's lawlessness and You are doing lawlessness, Jesus is saying. It's kind of getting back to this idea of doing the will of God. If you're not doing the will of God, you're in this state of lawlessness. Now, the acts that Jesus mentions here in Matthew and the ones I suggest are really great acts of piety. And they are good things for us to do. But again there's something lacking, something needed, something foundational that's there. And Jesus gives us the clue. He said, "I never knew you." The problem with the group who failed to make it into the kingdom whose houses collapse is they don't know, and they're not known by Jesus. It is about relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I've had the great opportunity to serve four different churches in Hamilton County over a 25-year period of time. Three of those churches are among the largest United Methodist churches in this area, The total number of people who participated in those churches during my tenure there uh, were probably well over 4,000 people, including the congregation here. During those years, I probably met an additional couple of thousand people, and I called their name at least one time. And you know, for me, I like to call names if I can remember the names. But I have to say that of those 6,000-plus people that I have met here in Hamilton County. Most, I know bits and pieces about their lives. It may just be the name to the faces, what I know and what I remember. But there are a few people that I really know. I know what makes them tick. I know about our relationship with each other. I know them in their lives. And it's about relationships. And that's what Jesus is saying. Living in the kingdom, entering the kingdom, living the life that God wants us to live, our house being built on that firm foundation is about having a living, active relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about doing, it's about hearing, it's about being in relationship with Jesus Living in the kingdom is about having, developing, and maintaining a deep and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of all the wonderful stuff that's even mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount, but it begins with that relationship. And it's out of that relationship that our lives are transformed, are impacted by God, and we live out the realities of the kingdom my hope for everyone here and everyone in this community is that we will enter into and live in the kingdom. To live and do what Jesus says and live that out of relationship with Him. So this morning I ask you, where's your relationship with Jesus? Do you really know Jesus? Do you really have a relationship with Him? If not, I would encourage you on this day, whether kneeling here at the altar and saying, Lord, I want to know you more and more fully, or whether you meditate upon what's been said here and allow God to work in your life so that you can enter into the depth of that relationship so that you'll know Jesus fully and he will know you. Let us pray. Father, today we pray that we would know you, that we would be people who do your will out of who we are in relationship to Jesus. Lord, we want to know our Savior, and we want our Savior to know us. We make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.